beautiful people. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. This is Nubia. And I'm Francis. And today we have a special little episode going on. This is our first LGBT like family on our show. What's like, up, family? <laughs> we have Jay Freedom and Wendy. You guys Hello. recently came from Baton Rouge and are now living in Mexico. Yes. How exciting. And also... Jay, you have published a book. So we're going to get into yes. the book. We're going to get into your new lives living abroad and what that experience has been like. So let's just jump right in. So welcome, ladies. Yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank, thank you for having us. You've been married for almost two years and you recently flew the coup. <laughs> you have escaped. <laughs> what you would call is that you left an abusive relationship with the U.S., Yes. Yeah. And you moved abroad. It's a yes. powerful statement. So yes. give us a little background on how that got started. So in 2013, I was in grad school. Uh, I'm a history major, bachelor's and uh, master's as well. And um, we were having a conversation in class about how history repeats itself. And so I just kind of scribbled a little timeline and started trying to piece together American history, world history. And um, I noticed that things got a little shaky for us every 50, 60 years or so for African-Americans, people of color, or uh, any other, uh, I guess, non-majority ethnic group in the country. It's always a different one that's chosen to be picked on you know, within that time frame, usually people of color. And um, I started thinking about, I was watching, <laughs> it was crazy, I was watching What's Love Got to Do With and you know how Ike would tell Tina, you're not going to be nothing without me. You can't do this. You can't do that. And think about America in the same context. You know, you are nothing without me. You can't do anything. Nobody's going to love you. Nobody's going to want you. Things that, that people deal with on a regular basis, especially dealing with domestic violence, whether it's LGBT, heterosexual, or anything. And, um... You know, with, with the whole Ike and Tina situation, I started analyzing it because I, I'm a thinker. And Tina built everything that they had. Ike did a little bit, you know, here and there. But Tina was the one who made everything happen. It was her talent. And you think about us, when they started bringing us over here, we built the country. We built the entire United States. We even built the White House. When Barack Obama was elected president, it was it was like the psychological blow that that mainstream white male uh, wealthy people saw even even the less wealthy but it, it was the psychological uh, straw that broke the camel's back because you know you talk about you know a, a colorless society and, and all of these things but the fact remains is that the United States the presidency is the highest position of power not only in the United States but in the world 
Well, it was before Donald Trump got in. Um, <laughs> that's a whole different story. But um, a whole one that we're not touching. Yeah. So how did that evolve to you guys making the decision to pack up and leave the country? It was a series of events and growth and just watching things escalate in the United States. And and we were like, okay, if things continue to deteriorate, we're going to have to start making decisions about what are we going to do? Like I said, history repeats itself. I'm a historian. I'm a social scientist. So I, I use the knowledge that I have to try to keep me in mind and anybody who listen a step or two ahead of everything that's going on. So we saw where it was going and we decided to pull the trigger and get out ahead of the madness. Tell us a little bit what the planning was like for you. How long did it take? Was it, even though, yes, there was a series of events, but just in regards to just packing up, moving, deciding on a place to live, all those things, what was that process like? So we'd gone to a few places. We, we even looked at Hawaii and uh, Puerto Rico. We just wanted to be off of the mainland. And it took us about a year uh, of traveling and planning and uh, networking with people and different ex groups and other people we knew that lived abroad. We came here on a scouting vacation mission for Christmas, and they have a really big uh, Feliz Navidad uh, Christmas festival, like neighborhoods and everything, and it, it was just so beautiful. The, the older folks, the elders, the, the neighbors, the kids, the, even the dogs and the cats, everybody <laughs> accepted us, and we were like, we're home. This is home. And uh, said, okay, we want to be out in six months. Let's make it happen. And we did. I think that's awesome. Because, you know, that's one thing that people get afraid of. Like, how do you choose a place, right? But because you you took the time out to kind of, I guess, vacation there. And you have, like, a sense of what it felt like. And how the locals embraced you. It made it a little bit easier. Yes. And people, people don't like Airbnbs. People like to go to hotels and stuff, but we like Airbnbs because we're integrated into the neighborhoods and we can see exactly how it is. We get to walk amongst the locals, eat at the local cafes, go to the local parks and, and get a feel of that. But also it was the location. I mean, it, we, we did geographical analysis, uh, location, statistics on hurricanes. Uh, we are from Louisiana, so we're familiar with hur- hurricanes. And But we had to learn about this particular area because, you know, parts of Mexico are earthquake prone. Mm-hmm. So it, it was an entire research project, a year-long research project. But once we decided that Mexico was where we wanted to be and in the Yucatan area, then we did everything, the job market, um, how to get a work visa, how to, you know, she's uh, location independent. Will she need a work visa? How do, how do you go about all of these things? So uh, that's what we did. That's great. And speaking of that, so Wendy, you are location independent. Can you give us a little bit of background of what do you do and how long you've been location independent? Well, I teach Chinese kids English. So I can go anywhere as long as I have stable Wi-Fi connection and teach. I teach with about three um, platforms, and it's absolutely wonderful. I teach about four to five classes every morning, and I'm done for the day. That's the most awesome thing for me. I absolutely love doing that. Before we left, a lot of friends were like, what are you going to do about work? Because in the States, I was a licensed massage therapist. And they said, are you going to massage in Mexico? Oh, no. I will get a massage. I'm not massaging anybody. (laughs) So I was like, I want to stay at home and just teach online. And it's been working very well for me. 
Nice. And that's the thing about it is, I tell people all the time, if you really, really want to move abroad, teaching online really gives you the opportunity to go and still make some income until you find something a little bit more permanent, if that's not what you want to do or whatever, but it is a good source of income. So thank you for that. You guys chose Mexico. Right now you're in what, Cancun? Yes. Now, you guys are married, and as an LGBT couple, how do you feel like living abroad as, first of all, Black women, lesbian Black women, women. (laughs) living in Mexico? You know what I mean? How does that work for you guys, or how has it been working? It's been really, really great here. We have been received really well here. When we first got here, It was more of a skin color thing because we're darker than most of the people that are in um, the local areas. And especially when we start talking and we speak English and they're like, oh, where are you from? And then when we tell them Louisiana, then they said, why did you move here? (laughs) We just kind of tell them we absolutely love it here. The LGBT being lesbian couples here, that wasn't a big issue. It was actually really accepting. I had a taxi cab driver saying, so what relation are you to? I said, me sposa. And he was like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Right. And he was like, well, my wife is at Isla Mujeres, another area, and she works for the clerk of court, and you can get married there. So evidently, it's legal to marry here in Mexico City. So they don't really look down on LGBT. I'm sure it's a lot of it here, but because of the Catholic religion, it's not very open here. That's something that you researched prior to going? Actually, no. <laughs> it wasn't we knew that it was friendly, but we didn't do too much digging around because we knew that Mexico had, a, I guess, a better record of uh, acceptance of uh, or tolerance of everything from gender to sexuality. Okay. Well, I mean, was that something that was important to you prior to going? Yeah. Because I know for people who really want to make sure that they're protected by the laws of the country that they're going to, they kind of do a lot more extensive research when it comes down to gay and lesbian laws and things like that. So was that just not something that you were worried about? Because as two women that were together, you're just like, as long as we're together, no matter where we are, we're fine. Yes, but also a big LGBT place is like maybe 40 miles down the road in Playa del Carmen. So we knew we were close to family. (laughs) Playa is where it's at. (laughs) And it had a lot of... um... Yes. A lot of LGBT weddings at the local hotels in the hotel zone. So if they were real open to do gay weddings, then we figured we would be okay. Yeah. Well, Puerto Vallarta is very LGBTQ friendly. I mean, it's very, of course, you know, vacation destination kind of place, but lots of self-identified LGBTQ folks visit there and love it. So we are, I think, you know, we know that Mexico is a little bit more open to, to that. So right now you're saying Cancun is not where it's at, but Mexico is home. Yes. Who knows? It might change. I, I might, you know, in another 10 years, the arthritis gets too bad, and I'll go ahead and stay <laughs> by the beach. <laughs> we absolutely love, absolutely love the beach. It's one of the best beaches we've ever been to, and it's very calming and relaxing, and the color of the water is just absolutely paradise. It's crystal clear. Now that's what's up. So you guys have adult children and a grandbaby. Yes. Yes. For most people who are ready to leave, family seems to play a huge part as to why they don't. So how did that play into your decision? 
you know, we're more than just travel. We provide tips, resources, and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. I think because our children, well, are adults now, um, and they live separately on their own. They have their own lives, and, and they don't live with me. Thank God. Um, <laughs> I love them dearly, but they were like, so are you really moving? Y'all really moving? And we were like, yeah. We kind of let them know months ahead of time. But just like my friends, they were like, we heard you when you said you were moving, but we didn't think you were really going to move. You mean you move moving? Yes. <laughs> Moving, moving. <laughs> it was absolutely wonderful to kind of move away, but I think what's what helps me because I'm a mommy and I'm still so attached. And even though they're 23 and 25, I still want to hold on to them like they're babies. I FaceTime and talk to them every day, including my grandbabies. So that helps me feel closer to them. I'm actually going to visit them, and so that's really great. Um, I'm just waiting on them to get their passport so they can come visit too. That's awesome. Did you have any fears or reservations prior to taking this leap of faith abroad? For me, no. I'm the type of person I could adapt anywhere. And when she said, okay, let's move, I was like, okay, we're about to make this happen. Let's move. I don't get really attached to things easily. So at a drop of a hat, I'm like, let's sell all our stuff. We had four army bags and we rolled out. So that definitely made it a lot easier. Cause I mean, it is about a perception and mindset and everything else. Now, was there any other countries that you were considering besides Mexico? We looked at, well, Puerto Rico is a territory, but we looked at Puerto Rico because it was basically its own separate country from the United States. We looked at Africa and Ghana because, you know, they've been doing the, the right to abode, uh, right of abode, and they're getting ready to start heavily promoting it for 2019, telling uh, the diaspora to basically, hey, come home, come on home. But we figured that with Louisiana, people could drive to Mexico regardless of where we ended up here. Um, the flights are relatively inexpensive and people can easily get back and forth and get to us basically anywhere in Mexico in about four to six hours. But a lot of people aren't going to take that 14 hour flight to Ghana. A lot of people are scared to cross that much water that long of a distance or be cooped up in a plane for that long. And not only that, but the expense, you know, an average person can come up with two, three hundred dollars, uh, but an average person can't come up with, you know, two thousand, fourteen hundred, eighteen hundred, twenty two hundred to get to that flight in Ghana. And that's not counting hotel, transportation, food, and things of that nature. So we also looked at that as a, a factor as to where we wanted to go. Like, okay, huh? how about Australia? You're like, no, no, no. Well, first Nobody's of all, coming. I heard you guys mention Hawaii. And Hawaii yes. ain't cheap, number one. No, Hawaii is not cheap. Nope. Um, but they were recruiting, and they still are recruiting teachers, heavily recruiting teachers to work in Hawaii because they just can't keep teachers. The cost of living is so high, and that was another factor was that those flights are ridiculously high, and they're ridiculously long. Like we said, nobody's going to come there. <laughs> you know, we, we have a better nah, chance. Yeah. Hawaii's cool. It's cute to visit. I don't know about living for a long period of time because grocery shopping in Hawaii makes you go broke just thinking about it. Right, yeah. Nubia. Right. I'm good with hurricanes, the volcanic eruptions. No. <laughs> well, shoot, y'all were going Not to Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is suffering right now. The U.S., yeah. even though it's a U.S. territory, there's no money going into Puerto Rico. I'm and they're still, still 
yeah, they're still recovering. And I heard there's certain parts that still don't have electricity. So I'm surprised you even thought about going there as well because it's definitely hasn't been back to its old self. You know, um, unfortunately, Puerto Rico has a long history of going through a lot, almost like Haiti has a, a, a large yes. history, long yes. history, I'm sorry, of traumatic, you know, Effects of col- uh, yeah, colonization. Of, yeah, colonization. colonization. <laughs> well, right. th- that and also like weather. Unfortunately, yeah. you natural know, disasters, natural yeah. disasters. So let's talk about a little bit about this new book that you guys have going on here. Um, and it's actually called like the blueprint to freedom. So it's called we out volume one, the blueprint, uh, how to end our abusive relationship with America with three K's. <laughs> so, um, like we said, it's a very powerful, very powerful, uh, statement. Yes. It is. And uh, I purposely chose the, the coloring for it. The, I have an upside down flag and everything is in black and white because when it all, all boils down to it, America, everything in America boils down to black and white. And until it acknowledges that we have a problem and go through the steps to remedy it, we will continue uh, to digress as a, as a society. And like I said earlier, it's like that abusive relationship. You did everything, you supported them, you took care of them, you made them who they are, and then they just treat you like crap and without repercussion. You know, things are on video, there's no repercussions for for the actions. And um, the current president has basically emboldened the people who've been dormant for uh, 50, 60 years since the last social upheaval, which was the civil rights movement. So if you have a leader that, that stands up and you know, comes up to try to help the people, um, that person gets assassinated or either exiled or uh, demeaned. So it, it, it's like you don't need a leader. Everybody needs to take it in, into their own hands and, and get with other like-minded people. Um, I also talk about how there's pockets of black expats all over the world, and it's incumbent upon you to start networking with people because we have options now. We don't have to sit there and take this like our ancestors did, even, you know, our grandmothers, our aunts and uncles. Um, we didn't grow up around that. And to me, it's unacceptable. You know, it may be OK for other people. Uh, to me, it's unacceptable. And um, I, I just could not stay there and deal with that and be happy without it eating up too much you know yeah no for sure i mean you know the climate obviously is something that is terrifying and even us being moms um and having i have a young black man Mm -hmm. as my son you know he's 20 years old and i get nervous all the time and so i think what it boils down to is this is the whole point of the podcast is to have people realize that there is this other world that you can explore and to find out if it's a good fit for you. Yes. You know, especially because what happens is people don't realize, and I always use the term vicarious trauma, is being traumatized by all that stuff, even if you aren't, you know, even if you're not physically in it, even if you're not the person that it's being done to, hearing Indirectly. it, yes. seeing it, because that's what vicarious trauma is, is you know, the, at, the, um, the indirective, the residue, yeah, yeah, the residue effects. of everything that's happening around you. And that, hurts yes you don't know it hurts until you actually step outside of that environment so we're always encouraging people to just try to step outside the environment especially if you're if you because i know with me and having my issues with depression 
and you don't realize those little things that are just under your skin until you actually step out and, and become free, alleviate some of that <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And, and then to get a different perspective and be like, Oh, I was really unhappy. Just like, you know, and I know with Nubia and, and the Boston winter blues and all this other stuff, that stuff impacts you. Yes. And sometimes just a shift in sunshine just reignites your soul. Can make a huge exactly. difference, you know? That's why we love and that's what so we, much. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we try to tell people. It doesn't have to be permanent, but just give yourself the opportunity to try it out because we're really huge on quality of life and making sure that people hear and, and see and understand that it's huge. But you know, this is the one life you have. And so quality of life is so, so very important. It is. And this is the thing, though. They went back and did, I, I want to say it was Stanford or MIT, one of those uh, Ivy Leagues. They went and did some research on the survivors, uh, the descendants of survivors of the Holocaust. And they found a genetic mutation on one of the strand of DNA. And that's only, you know, three, four generations back at the most, you know. Imagine the trauma that's on our strands of the DNA that's passed genetically for centuries that also contributes to the quality of life that we have. And we're so busy trying to assimilate and uh, striving for equality in a place that was never designed for us to, to be equals. And we're literally killing ourselves. We're killing ourselves by the food we consume. We're killing ourselves by working uh, ridiculously. And once again, going back to quality of life in other countries, the, you don't need the same amount of money in order to have good quality of life. And people are so wrapped up in the grind, you know, at what point in society did it become normal for people to have to work three and four jobs? Like this is just a part of life and this is what you have to do when you don't. And that's the thing is to get people to understand it. You know, a thousand dollars might not be anything in the United States, but you can have a good life in Mexico on a thousand dollars. You can have a good life in Thailand. You pick a country. <laughs> it's 196 recognized nations on the planet. Pick one. Half of them you can live pretty good on five hundred dollars or less, you know. Yes. And I'm glad you hit that point because, you know, this message, I think, is a little bit more, um, it, is, it hits home for people. You know, we try to not what I call America bash, you know what I mean? Yes. But we have to be honest with ourselves. Exactly. The energy and just the climate in America is volatile. Toxic. And it plays a huge part on you. I did um, a post where... I showed a picture of myself before I left the U.S. And I showed a picture of myself a year later in Thailand. And I don't feel like I've changed anything of what I do necessarily, right? Mm -hmm. It's just that where I live, I eat the fresh yes. food yes, <laughs> and the yes, fresh yes, fruits. Yes. And I've lost like 20 pounds plus not even doing anything. Yes. Just because I've acclimated to the culture because the food is actually fresh. Yes. You know, um, when I think about stuff, when, you know, people hit me up and go, hey, is there anything you want from the States? I'm coming to Thailand. Most of the stuff I ask for is is BS. It's, 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 it's real junk. It's junk. <laughs> it's like, yo, we eat this bullshit. Like, really? Like, really? I, it's nothing. Yes. I'm dead ass. Like, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, is there anything in the States that I ate that wasn't like either had alcohol prepackaged, um, you know, just full of sugar or whatever I mean, the options are there the difference i believe is that it's just more affordable here i can i bought two mangoes today mm -hmm. and it cost me i don't know like a dollar ten in usd if 
I had to do that in the States, that'd be a different story. So yes, you can eat organic food. You can have all these vegetables, but you're going to pay for it. You're going to pay a hell of a lot for it. And that's the sad part about it. I mean, capitalism at its best, right? Hmm. But at the end of the day, it's not just the stuff that you're putting into your body. It's literally what you said. We're killing ourselves in the States. Mm -hmm. Like, And that goes for most people, honestly, because... We've talked to, whether it's, you know, race, whatever, people are just feeling like they're just so empty inside, you know, from being overworked and doing all those things. But it's like, that's the culture now. Right. It's it's like, if you're not working 40 plus hours, you're not putting in enough. That don't make sense. We're all desensitized by it. You're not hustling enough. (laughs) Exactly. I have to say, working, uh, teaching kids at home. Now, I may not like getting up early that morning. But if I'm on my second cup of coffee, I'm in it with those kids. I absolutely love it. When I was living in the States, I too deal with depression. And I worked full time. I went to school full time. At the time, I had two adult daughters living with me. That's stress too. But (laughs) I was so full of stress. I was still dealing with depression. I was constantly in and out of the doctor's office. I never had issues with high blood pressure. Until then, it was like, you need to rest. You need to, I wasn't eating properly. Um, I wasn't sleeping properly. And energy drinks was my thing. I had to totally get off of that. Not to mention it was so much easier to get fast food or something really quick to eat in between the work and the school time. So I wasn't as healthy as, as I could be. When I moved here, July 3rd, we moved here. About a week into that, my body totally detoxed. I broke out in rash. I had some other uh, symptoms that were really, really wow. bad for about a month or two, just to detox all that genetically modified food that I was eating in the States. I was feeling really, really bad. I was also vitamin D deficient in the States. When I got here because of the sun and I was constantly outside, didn't have any issues. I don't even take vitamin D supplements. Same here. So it, it goes to show how your body reacts in a stressful situation because you're not having enough time to sleep and and eat properly. And when you come here, I don't have to work as hard. My stress levels are way down. I don't have any stress. We try to get to the beach as often as we can. And it's it's a totally different lifestyle here. I really feel really good living here. I tell all my friends they're still either struggling or dealing with depression or stress because they're having to work all these hours there. And they said, oh, we're coming to visit so I could de-stress. I said, yes, you need to do that. Also, don't believe everything that you see on TV, like in the U.S. When I moved here, a lot of my family members, they were like, why are you going to Mexico? The cartel, that was the number one. <laughs> the cartel, the violence. And I'm like, we've been here. We haven't been approached by anyone. It's different parts of Mexico that's bad, just like it's different parts in Louisiana. But you have to use common sense. I mean, don't flash your money, your jewels, and all this kind of stuff. Don't go in, like, I guess, alleyways, you know. It's, it's just absolutely wonderful here. And everything you see on TV is not that. Basically, if you have any hood sense, you'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. business, nobody's bothering you. That's right, right. You area but now. like she said, that's anywhere. That's anywhere. But I get it. Even when I was coming to Thailand, people, I, I swear to goodness, and I, I think I referenced this a lot. Mm-hmm. When we did our house video, I saw that people were so shocked. And I was like... What'd you think? How do you think we live? Like, did y'all thought we were using a bathroom out in the backyard or something? 
<laughs> Camping out. They thought you had an outhouse and a shack. <laughs> we live in a gated community. So do we. Right. We live in a gated community in Thailand. Like people have this misconception that, and I, I can't stand the word third world, right? It kind of makes it seem like those commercials that you see that they try to depict people, you know, in Africa or in, in people in different countries where they're starving and things like that. And I'm not saying that that stuff doesn't happen in places, but it's not all across the world. Like, you know, half of these places are extremely like metropolitan. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think and, like Africa, people think Africa, people are living in jungles and, and huts and whatnot. They're living better than the average person in the hood in the United States. So uh, a lot of times when people talk about those things, and I, I refer them to the to the UN uh, Human Rights Council's report on poverty in the southern part of the United States, and that shuts them up every single time. It's it's like night time. and day. It's night and day. It's crazy, and that's what keeps us going because we just every yeah. time we have a chance, we shot it from the rooftops. I have to stress this though. I don't want people to feel like we're trying to shove it down their throats that you should move abroad. But what I will say is that travel is transformative. Yeah. And that's that's the most important. It's just, even if you change your environment for a week, for a few months or whatever, it does not have to be forever. But sometimes you need to just make change in order for things to change. Yeah. What it boils down to is quality of life. Yes. That's it. And you don't have to, you know, suffer anymore. You don't have to. But I don't think some people realize that they're yes. suffering. You don't realize it. You're not. If exactly. when you're in it, because it's it's normal. Like I didn't realize that because it's normal like all this stuff was going on until yeah. I was kind of, you know, everything was pretty much at a head. At, yeah. It was just too much. And I had to just do something really drastic. And the most drastic thing that I could do is buy a one-way ticket to Thailand. So, you know, you don't know. And, and even when it comes to that point, some people still aren't budging. So if you won't know, you won't know unless you expose yourself to yeah. different conversations, unless you expose yourself to even opening up and thinking things differently. You know, that's the only way that that whole thing is going to happen. But if you don't expose yourself to different elements, you are, you're not going to know the difference. Even if you're exposed to those elements, you still have this fear because it's really hard to really see your life in this new way. It really is. It's hard for people. It's almost like we feel as though we're not worthy or we don't deserve it. That fear holds people back so so much and and not knowing and being basically marginalized your entire life. And then when you have the opportunity to explore the rest of the world or get out, a lot of folks, they kind of put it back. And, you know, it's like, you know, you're 80 years old and you're in a nursing home and, you know, nobody's going to talk about or people will be talking about, oh, I used to have a big old house and I used to have a Benz and a BMW and I did this, 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 this. I had all of these material things, but right now you're, you know, elderly and you're in a nursing home and nobody's coming to visit you. You don't have any friends and you wasted most of your life doing thinking about the things that you wanted to do, but never actually did them because of fear. And if you can take that same amount of money, if you go buy a pair of red bottoms, a Michael Kors watch, a purse, a Gucci Prada, whatever it is, you can easily, you can, it doesn't cost, but maybe two, $300 and catch a good flight <laughs> to leave the mainland of the United States. Shake that fear and understand that, yes, you are worthy. Yes, you are worthy of material things too, if that's what you strive to spend your money on. But also you're worthy of experiencing life and not just working until you die. 
And that's the thing that I want people to understand. And time is not like on our side. No. <laughs> so, no, it's especially not. with what goes on in the state. So it's kind of like, don't take that for granted that, you know, I'm going to wait for the kids to get older or I'm going to wait for this. I'm going to wait to pay off my loans. I'm going to wait to do this. It's like, I hear that all the time that people are playing this waiting game. And I'm like, what are you waiting for? Oh, right. I just need to. Because the student loans are going to be there. Yeah, the loans are going to be the there. The going to be there. You have to understand that all of these things were designed for them to. This is how the rich people make money. So either way, they're going to make their money. If you default on it, they're still going to make their money. So do what you need to do. Be free. I love it. I do too. How I live my life, I live it like live each day like it's your last. It took yes. me a long time. It took me years and years, at least about 10 years before I thought, okay, I can't say what I will do a year or two um, from now, but I could live for today. Because the day is not promised, the year, the week is not promised. So live like today is your last day, live it to the best of your ability. I use every day as a form of meditation. Because when I was in the States, I meditated a little bit, but it was kind of drowned out by the noise. Moving abroad kind of cleared the noise from my brain. Now, are we disconnected from the U.S.? No, I'm, I'm still connected to the U.S. and to Louisiana. We still watch local news here to see what's going on in that part of the world and all over the country. But we do realize that here we're able to breathe. And I think that's the problem with people these days. They don't take the time to really breathe. The breath is the most the most thing, the most liberating thing to really breathe. I'm not saying just an inhale, exhale, but to take a deep breath that clears the mind. And a lot of people don't realize that when you do that, you can think clearly. And that's what I try to do here. I mean, we absolutely, we love our family, we love our friends, but we tell them it's a better way to live if you want it. You don't have to come to Mexico. You can go to other places to visit. A lot of people think, oh, it's just a luxury to go vacation different places. Just like with massage. For so long, Black people thought, oh, massage was a luxury. Until the coming years, at least five years, they realized it was therapeutic. Once you get in those joints and those those bones, you may not need to take arthritis medicine. You know, it's, it's just a change of your mindset. And I absolutely love it here. It's very, very liberating. Another thing that's liberating is selling all your stuff and just trying to live a minimalist life. I used to look about five years ago on the travel stations and say, how do they backpack all over the country with just a backpack? I have like 20 <laughs> pairs of shoes. I have like a full of clothes. I can't get all that in a backpack. What am I going to do? And then when I realized, do I really need that stuff? Do I look in my closet and I say, if I don't, if I don't wear this item in a month, it's gone because I don't need it. It's been such a liberating experience to come here and just have a backpack um, to go to and fro. Not even, I, I think I have, yeah, one purse, backpack, and everything that I have, my computer can fit in a bag. That's the she got two purses. <laughs> but okay, it's, <laughs> that, it's a fanny pack. Okay. <laughs> I know. I but, totally agree with you, Wendy. I agree with you. But when it comes down to it, though, regardless if you move out of the country or not, decluttering is important yes. for your life. 
Okay. I was one of those people. I'm a kitchen appliance whore. I love kitchen appliances. Okay. I used to buy the latest kitchen appliance for just because it was, you know, I'm going to use it. Then I use it maybe once or twice and then it starts collecting dust. You know what I mean? So when I was decluttering, I literally was in tears. Ah, uh, you had an emotional attack. Because I didn't realize how much I accumulated. Ah, uh, gotcha. You know, I'm selling clothes with tags on them, mm. you know, Zara and this and that. And I'm just like, was I that superficial? Jesus. Like, I had double closets and, you know, all of this stuff. But did I really need it? Yeah. And even with all of those things, yeah. you still weren't happy. I st Girl, no, I wasn't. <laughs> the whole process really makes you face yourself. Yes. In the most naked way possible. Yes. And I think that's what travel has done for me. Stripped me of everything and was like, listen, it's time for you to deal with your shit. And <laughs> yes. grow the fuck up. Exactly. Yes. Some growing to do, you know. So at the end of the day, we believe travel is transformative. Like Nubia said earlier. Yeah. yeah. It does. It, it, it. I think it just definitely opens your eyes. I think people always do this whole, like, you're on this journey. And I just, I don't think the journey has to do with location. I think the right. journey is just Light. a self-reflection. Yeah. Because when you're not around the, the noise and the nonsense, you realize what's important and what's not. Mm -hmm. And the things that you thought was important really aren't. Yeah. And... You know, the friends that you thought were friends probably really just aren't friends. Yes. You know, somebody said to me the other day, because I was like, damn, you know, I felt like I lost a lot of friendships. And they were like, well, what did you really do with them as friends? And I was like, oh, you know, we went to happy hour and, you know, we hung out. Right. And I was like, is that really a friendship? No, it's right? happy hour. <laughs> it was social. They were social acquaintances. But yes. when you're in the midst of it, it's kind of like, Oh, yeah, those are my peoples. We hanging out. But that's all we did was hang out. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I, I went back to my, my core group of friends. We've been friends since we were kids. And uh, I mean, I, I know a lot of people. I do have a lot of acquaintances, but I, I surround myself with my inner circle. And my oldest friend, we've been friends since we were babies. We're, we've been friends for 40 years. And I've come to appreciate how rare these long-term friendships that I have with my, my inner circle, my core group, and I come to appreciate it more and more uh, as the years go by. Um, my friend that's coming today, we've been friends like over 25 years. Mm, nice. So he's actually my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> That's a whole nother story. That's a whole, that's another <laughs> podcast. <laughs> that's a book. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, as well so but you know you have to surround yourself with people who have like ideas and it, I was very lucky that I found my tribe early on even before we knew what the tribe was and understood mm -hmm. what it was we were able to the universe put us together early on sometimes we lost our way and you know we wouldn't see each other talk to each other as life happened but we always found our way back to each other you know, so and I think that's been uh, key as as far as the transforming and the encouragement to travel, the encouragement to live each day like it's your last, to just to be a better person and to really appreciate and enjoy life because nothing is guaranteed and don't take anything for granted. Love it. I think that's beautiful and well said. And I mean, I was about to ask, well, do you have any advice? But shit, that was good right yeah, there. Yeah, that's it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. The questions out. I would give would be 
So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, check that item off your bucket list and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. You were the clear your mind and see what is important in your life and just live, live your best life, whether it be at the beach, in the mountains, uh, vacationing for a couple of weeks or, or whatever, just so you can see there's life outside of the U.S. U.S. is great, but it's life abroad. And to open, to truly open your mind up, travel is the best thing ever. I say that passport is freedom. It really is. And I think for so long, black folk, especially in Louisiana, especially older ones, my mom in particular and, and other ones her age, yes, you could go to New Orleans. That ain't that far. You can go to Texas. You can go to Atlanta. But moving abroad, that, that was a scary issue for them. You can't move, barely move out of the state, move out the country. It was so much fear. And black folks have so much fear to getting out of that box. It's, it's not comfortable, you know, just you're watching everything on TV and all this propaganda about you shouldn't go this place, you shouldn't go that place. Always tell people, don't look at the television, get out and find out for yourself. Just okay. find out for yourself. And it's life changing. Now travel, and well, travel is good, but moving abroad may not be for everybody. But at least give yourself that opportunity to see if it's for you. Yeah, thank yeah. you. No, we totally appreciate you ladies coming on Absolutely. and really kicking some real, some realness because everything that you said, I feel like I just be with a bullhorn like, forget the U.S. <laughs> Move on. <abroad. laughs> but Leave as you girl. said, people are fearful. Like they don't. I know people who haven't left their neighborhoods. You know yeah. what I mean? And real they have tall. no intention on right. leaving their neighborhoods. And that's okay. Yeah, that's that's I mean, I think at the end of the day, I feel like, like I said, and I'll say it again and again, move abroad, don't move abroad. Stay in your neighborhood, don't stay in your But are you happy? Are you yes. happy? Absolutely that's the it. question. I just want to say congratulations on your move to Mexico. Yes. Thank congratulations you. on the book. Yes. Thank you. And we look forward to seeing what happens next over the next like six months to another year, see where you land or where you're going to end up. Just thank you for taking time out and talking with the Chronicles Abroad listeners. And we wish you the best. Yes. Thank you so much, ladies. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at Chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.